Got your questions. So um, I, I, I do love this format, and it also it's, it's a little scary at the same time. <laughs> um, but you know, I, 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 I love it because I feel like um, this is where this is where and how life pops um, and is really creative and uh, and is scary at the same time. And that's what life is like. Um, we have no idea how things are going to turn out. And sometimes we can just, you know, turn the corner and things can change in an instant. Um, I, I love that. Um, and, uh, and it's a, always a good reminder for me and for all of us that, you know what, God's with us and we can, we can handle it. Um, so this morning we are going to see what happens. And so thanks for indulging uh, this that we do once a year. And, and the reason why I do this is, is I think, you know, what I've noticed in my conversations is that, that some of the, I feel like some of the most interesting um, spiritual conversations that I have and discussions and some of um, the most wonderful kind of seeking and finding are those things that start spontaneously with, with conversations with people. Uh, it could start with a question or somebody's wondering about something and we, we get into this and it's, it's, it's just, it's a beautiful, um, exquisite thing to be able to wonder about life with another person. And um, you have seeking, I have seeking, and this is where it all starts. And one of the things that I think about this morning is that, um, as far as that goes, I mean, because, you know, you write questions, and I'm going to be talking about them, is that, you know, you can have, you can offer the most divine pearls of wisdom, um, not that that's what I'm going to be doing this morning, but, uh, you know, you can be present to, to some just terrific wisdom, but if you're not ready for that, if you're not thirsty, if you're not seeking, then I uh, think about being thirsty, and if you're not thirsty, the glass of water just sits there. Um, and you don't, you don't drink from it. And, and one of the things that I love about our very short passage of Scripture this morning is that it, it, it speaks to this. And I think that it sums it up perfectly about asking, seeking, knocking. Um, another thing, just kind of coincidentally, before we get into this, um, either coincidentally or cosmically, um, kind of like a God wink, is that if you look at this passage of Scripture where it says, ask and it will be given to you, seek and you'll find, knock and the door will be opened to you. I highlighted, I underlined the, the first letters of, of each of those words, ask, seek and knock. Um, and what they spell out is ask, A-S-K, ask, seek and knock. And it's a great way to, to remember this process. The process of asking and seeking and knocking is... Um, is very, very true in life, not just with spiritual matters, but pretty much with anything, that you, you find what you seek. You see what you're looking for. Um, if what you want the most in life is a red bicycle, then if you keep focusing on that that you want and pushing your efforts to getting a red bicycle, then sooner or later, I am positive that you will end up with a red bicycle. Maybe not instantly, because it's not magic. But at some point, if that's your focus, that's what's going to happen. If, on the other hand, um, your consistent focus, your desire, and your action has to do with, let's say, wanting well-being 
in your life, wanting to uh, be able to have fabulous, flourishing relationships, healthy relationships, love, being a person of love, being a person of, of peace and peacefulness, making the world a better place, if that's your desire, then that's what you're going to find. And that's what you're going to create in this life. Those doors are the doors that you're going to be knocking on, and those doors are going to be open to you. But even when a door becomes open to you, you still need to step in and make it yours. And that, by the way, is the difference between asking, seeking, and knocking, where it's an action that you follow through with, and just passively wishing. And that's where some people get confused with asking a question of, what's the meaning of life? And you ask it, you may get some response, and you move on. That's not asking. That's just kind of skimming the surface with curiosity. I love how Jesus says, ask, seek, knock. And it's a process that you do again and again and again. Do that, and the world opens up to you. So that's what we're going to touch on this morning. And um, just one more thing where in this process of asking and seeking and so forth, and this has to do with the, with the quote below, is that I do believe it has more to do with the seeker and the receiver than it does with the person who may be teaching or offering wisdom. And so we have our second quote from Lao Tzu. Um, it says Lao Tzu, it's actually been attributed to all sorts of people, but, um, but its truth is undisputed. That says, when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. And so we're going to explore some of these things together. We're going to do some asking, some discovering. And um, I'll say one more thing about this process is that, that um, I remember the time when somebody pointed out to me that the word discover is like taking the cover off. You take the cover off and you see what's inside. So we're going to do that. So let's begin with, um, with let's just read these, the scripture passage together and then we'll go right into this quote from Lao Tzu. That'll all get us in this mindset. All right? So it's from Jesus. And he says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. And then from Lao Tzu, When the student is ready, the teacher will appear. So, all right. So what I'm going to do is, I mean, we have probably about... I don't know, 10 cards or so, and um, let us see what we have, and I'm going to kind of mix them up. Here we go. Are we ready? <laughs> uh, so, let's see. Thou, sh okay, all right. Well, let's start with an easy one. Why don't we? Thou shalt not kill. National defense is an exception to the Ten Commandments. How are exceptions justified? Or explained. Okay, we're going to pass on that one. Just no, we're not going to do it. <laughs> yeah. What's that? Yeah. Um, so that 
that's actually something that comes up um, fairly often. And if we're, I mean, if we're not asking it directly and consciously, I'm just going to set my timer. If we're not asking it directly and, and consciously, then, um, then we're living with this, um, uh, with some level, I think, of hopefully of, of discomfort um, between the positions of thou shalt not kill, um, Jesus says turn the other cheek, and so forth. Um, so that's one clear message. And then there, there's the issue of, let's say, national defense. There's the issue of um, uh, when a child or any person is being abused, um, then what do you do? How do you, how do you, how do you respond to that? There are some people who, who would say, you know, you just, it's, it's not my business and you let it go on. It's all perfect. That's actually some people's spirituality. Um, that is not my spirituality. And um, there was, we talked about this in the men's group, uh, I think a couple of times, where there's a, there's a beautiful, I think it's a beautiful paper from, um, the, I think it's Pope John Paul, where he talks about um, essentially it's, it's a just war theory or it's how do you, how do you deal with, how do you deal with um, using violence? And I'll just give you the, the um, kind of the bottom line to this is his understanding that um, it really all goes back to Genesis 1, 1, where every person is created in the image of God. And then the image of God you know, he created them, male and female. And because each one of us embody the image of God, um, we have, there's certain therefores. And therefore, we have that level of dignity ourselves. We are all walking around as God in a body. And that also means that I need to respect you as the image of God as well. So it's an extraordinarily high degree of, of, of respect, and this is where all social justice um, comes out of. This is where women's rights come out of. This is where, you know, people, you know, f freeing slaves and so forth comes out of. Um, this is where, um, you know, dignity to the poor and, you know, every bit of Christian faith uh, and Judaism, because this is from the Old Testament, um, all has to do with this understanding that we are created in the image of God. They say, so what does this have to do with violence? So when, when, when someone does, if, if I'm involved in a violent act, sorry, Linda, it's Linda's birthday, so this is really bad to say, if I'm involved in a violent act to you, just, but, but if, you know, if, if I create a violent act to you, then what I'm doing is I'm not honoring you as someone in the image of God. I have no right to do that. Um, and so, therefore, um, we are, um, you know, we're, we're enjoined, we are commanded to honor God, to love God. And so, therefore, if, if one person is, is destroying another image of God, then we have a higher duty, so this is how this argument goes, that we have a higher duty to to honor God in terms of stopping the violent action than we do to, to not kill. Is this, are, you, are you following this argument here? I don't know if you're following this argument. Therefore, 
Um, you, you know, the people who follow this argument, which I've got to say I do, um, you know, you have a right and you have a duty actually to step in to not allow someone to harm another being. I have the duty, if I see you being abused, if I see a child being abused, I have a duty to do whatever I can to stop that child being abused um, because that's the relationship um, that we have. So um, anyway, so that is the, my response and my little timer's going off here. All right. I'm gonna be back in Fellowship Hall afterwards, so. You can continue a discussion if, if you'd like. This doesn't have anything on it. I'm not dismissing a question here. This is a beautiful note. It says, just saying thank you. You're welcome, and thank you, right? That's, that's this, you know, this little bit of love that I, I feed on, I need. Um, <laughs> yeah, this is great. What are my plans for the future? Keep living. Keep living, keep loving, keep... I'll, I'll say one thing, that, that when I went into the ministry, one of the reasons why I went into the ministry when I was thinking about all sorts of different things are what is my, what's my vocation? What's my calling? My vocation is to become a loving, the most loving human being that I possibly can, um, to allow God's spirit to work through me and God's you know, force and everything to work through me fully, and it's my job to try to just open up as much as I possibly can and to make the world a better place and in the ways that I can do that. So that is what I'm going to continue to do for the future. Um, truth. This is a question. How does, Jesus, how does Jesus guide us in a world filled with moral ambiguity? Good question. One of the things that I love, moral ambiguity. Um, so one of the things that I love is that one of Jesus' titles that he actually names himself. Um, actually, I'm going to go back before that. One of the Ten Commandments is, thou shalt not lie, thou shalt not steal, right? Extraordinarily clear. There are only ten of them. Um, those are two of the ten. So that's extraordinarily clear. And then the other thing is, is that Jesus says, he says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, right? So he actually self-describes himself as the truth. That's taking truth and it's putting it on the highest level of respect and dignity and spiritual and living importance, which says to me, trying to think of, of nice words how to say this, you don't mess with the truth. You don't play, you don't, you don't fiddle around with the truth and see how much you can kind of you know, tweak it and get away, you know, get away with that as if you're trying to pull something, because ultimately you're trying to pull something over on God. Um, God doesn't like that. You know, we, God is a, is a very, very completely loving God and everything. But um, when it comes to truth, there's, I would say that there's a reason why, we don't, we don't talk about the devil. You know, I, I, don't, I don't tend to talk about the devil. I don't tend to talk about evil so much. But it's no coincidence that, you know, Jesus describes himself as the truth, and there's, thou shalt not lie, and the, another name for the devil is the liar. 
And another name for that is the deceiver. And the deceit doesn't come from bold-faced lies. It comes from, it sneaks in, you know? It sneaks in through the, through the side, and, and it starts with, you know, ambiguity. And it's like, well, you know, you, you choose the lesser of two evils. And the door opens. And once you walk in that door, it's a very, very dangerous thing. So um, that is the way of the world. But in terms of how does Jesus, how does our faith guide us in this, the rock-solid guide, I would say, is you can either focus on the moral ambiguity and the people who are, who are you know, telling you, well, you know, lesser of two evils and so forth, or you can go back to Jesus and you can go, what's, what, what's my commitment to? Is my commitment to God, to the truth, to integrity, or is my commitment to fiddling around with stuff and playing around with whatever, you know, whatever that may be, whether it's, you know, politics or business or anything like that. And, and it's about keeping your soul clean um, because you never get away with that. You can get away with, with mental, you know, fooling around with things. You can you absolutely never get away with yourself. You know when you're clean and you know when you're not clean. And getting away with a few things is not worth what you're, what you're doing to your soul. So, 17 seconds left to go on that one. <laughs> um, hmm. Yeah. Um, I would love to hear you preach about racism, which persists in our community. Um, it does. I have spoken about it be I mean, before. I don't talk about it a lot. Um, I feel like I, I yes, I, I appreciate this. I appreciate this. Thank you very much. Um, I tend to speak about things like this, sometimes directly and sometimes indirectly in terms of how we treat one another. Um, I know that, you know, giving the name of racism takes it up to a different level and, um, uh, you know, specifically about, uh, you know, about race and black and white and so forth. Um, so, uh, and that's, that's critically important. And it does, again, I mean, it comes back to this whole notion of we're all created in, in the image of God. Once you start splitting, splitting human beings on any other, um, uh, by any other vari you know, uh, you know, variables or dynamics other than I'm a person of God, you're a person of God, you're a person of God, you're a person of God. If we start splitting it and treating people different based on racial color, um, I will say uh, sexual orientation, I'll say that. Um, uh, you know, e even, even religion, uh, you know, m Muslim or Zoroastrian or, or whatever. People are the image of God. And you get away with that and you get away from that and, and you, start, um, you start creating essentially a different religion, I would say, than the Christian religion that says, in the Judeo-Christian religion, that says you are an image of God that's where it begins, and that's where, that's where it ends. So. Um, okay. How are we doing on time? Why don't we do, like, shall we do two more? Two more? Okay.
how do I confirm the existence of God in my life? Um, that's, which, which is a great, it's a great really, I think really practical question. Um, and I, I think that it actually comes back to our scripture passage this morning of ask and seek and knock. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you'll find it. Knock and the door will be opened. Um, if you want to know the, the existence of God in your life, you ask for that. And you seek it and you, you look for the existence of God. You don't look for the non-existence of God. And you say, you know, God, I, 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 I'm looking for your presence. I'm looking for your action. I'm looking for, for your reality in my life. Now, if you say those words and you're done with it, you're not going to find it. Because that's really almost more like stating a wish. It's, it's, a, it's very, very shallow. But if, on the other hand, you say, I, I really want to know, I want to know, God. Show me. Tell me. Give me some signs. Stir within me. Um, Jesus Christ, I welcome you into my heart. Try that one. Try that one. Um, and then do it. And if you do that over and over and over again, um, I, I, would, I don't want to say I challenge you to that. I invite you, I invite you to do that. Um, and when you do that, you will start noticing things differently. You'll start feeling things differently. You'll start dealing with people differently. And, and it will just happen. And it's the type of thing that happens not, it's not just a once, it's not just a twice, it's not just like, I'm going to try it this week. You, can, you continue with it. And, um, and I would tell you, say, you tell me, and this is one of those cases too, that when the student is ready, the teacher will appear, right? Um, I'm, I'm also, I'm, I'm just going to say one other thing in terms of the scripture and in terms of seeking God's presence in, in your life. And that is um, um, substance abuse. And how when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. Um, when someone is not ready, and we're all, we're addicted to, we're addicted to so many things. We're addicted to our, we think about alcohol, we think about drugs. We're addicted to uh, our phones, we're addicted, we can be addicted to television, we can be addicted to having a gigantically packed schedule, we can be addicted to anger, to just, you know, I'm so angry, you know, once again today, I'm, you know, I'm incensed. You know, just, we can be addicted to so many different things, and until we're ready to let that go, honestly, and to cling to something greater, to, to the healthy model, to God, um, then, you know, we can say, you know, I'm so angry, I wish I weren't angry, and keep being angry. But at some point, you have to let go of the anger. Um, if you, and this circles back to confirming the existence of God in my life, if you want to know the existence of God, um, one of the things one of my spiritual teachers said was, um, be a seeker. And he was very eclectic. He said, be a seeker. But don't be afraid to be a finder either.
Welcome God into your life. Um, okay, I'm going to. Um, all right, I'm gonna last question here. Um, my wife has metastatic breast cancer in all of her bones. We don't know how long hormone treatments and chemotherapy will keep her alive with a good quality of life. Many people who know her condition don't know what to say or what to ask. Most pretend everything is normal and are sympathetic. Those with more confidence and empathy hold her hand and ask how she's dealing with it. I'm learning how to do that, but I don't know what to say next. So what do you say to a person who has fatal chronic illness, like advanced cancer or heart disease, without being pitiful? Should you ask about their hopes, their faith? Yeah. I think that's it. So this is where faith and life, the, the rubber hits the road, right? What do you say? What do you do? One of the most hurtful things I think that you can uh, do is to avoid it because a person is going through life and death issues. Um, the most important thing, the most sacred thing, the most intimate thing in, the, in their entire lives, in the world. And the thoughts are, are spinning, the, the, you know, keeping you up, the three o'clock in the morning kind of thoughts that we all have about different things. Um, and that's scary. That's really scary. So what would a cruel thing to do be with that is to make like believe like everything's okay, talk about the weather, say you're looking great, you know. Hey, there's only 12 more treatments, you know. Meanwhile, the person's dealing with all the stuff on, on the inside. Because what that does is, it, you know, you can smile, you can do whatever, but then all of a sudden now you've done the exact opposite of intimacy, which was somebody broke it down for me, of into me you see, you're no longer looking into them. And there's a barrier, there's a, there's a huge barrier that becomes created. And there's a cutoff between you and that other person. So I, I think that the most loving thing that you can do um, that requires a heck of a lot of courage sometimes um, is to just, with, with any person, I mean, it can be metastatic breast cancer or it could be somebody who loses their job or, you know, their grandmother dies or anything, is one way or the other to just, um, you know, say like, so, you know, what is it like to be you right now? What is it like to be you? And, um, you know, and, could be how you're feeling. Some people don't actually do well with feelings, but a lot of times people can respond to the, you know, what's it like to be you right now? And then the secret is when you create a space like that, 
is to shut up and listen and, and open your heart and not give it 10 seconds and then get nervous and then say, well, you know, I was just kind of wondering, so, but, you know, let's, let's go play tennis or something like that. You just, you ask, you create a space of love and you dare to have the courage to step into scary places about, about life and death. And, you know, you can't, you can't, you're not a doctor and you can't change the cancer or anything, but the most loving, you know, the, 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 the worst thing in this world is to suffer. Um, to suffer alone is even, that's even worse. And so you hold that hand, either physically, literally, or emotionally, and you step into that scary place and you go, I, I'm going to be here with you. And sometimes you talk about scary things together and you explore those things. And you can invite God into that spirit as well. Everything with love. Everything with love. And you don't have to know the answers. That's not what a person wants anyway. They want another being there, another human being, another spiritual being, to just be with them in that space. And you have that to offer because you are a human being who offers love. You can do it. You can do it. I really, really appreciate this time together just to be able to explore some of the things, just the diverse things that are on your heart and mind. Um, and I think that it's really healthy for us to, to know what other people are thinking about too. Because, you know, a lot of times we don't, we don't get questions like this at cocktail parties, do we? But these are the kind of things that we can think about in this, in this family of faith that we have created. Um, it is a sacred thing. It is a sacred thing to be able to, to talk and listen and to do this with great care. So I thank you. And may God bless us all in our journey as we all continue to ask and seek and knock and then step in. Amen.